Hi, this is Lex, and welcome to the Fintech Blueprint. It's your podcast about fintech, decentralized finance, digital banking, investing, robo-advice, artificial intelligence, and all the other frontier technology that is transforming financial services. To get more content, like an illustrated transcript of this conversation in your inbox, subscribe at fintechblueprint.com. So without further delay, let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's conversation. I'm really excited about today's topic where there's a lot for us to learn. I have with us Alisa Chinedu, who is part of Ramita, a payments company in Nigeria, and he's a manager focused on the consumer side. And we're going to talk about the payment rails and the economy in Nigeria, and then we're going to talk about digital currency and the digital wallets that are being deployed. And with that, Elisa, thank you for being with us and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Rex. It's good to be here. My pleasure. Assume our audience is entirely new to Ramita and the payments infrastructure in Nigeria. Can you talk to us about what the company does and what you do there? Ramita is a leading payments platform in Nigeria. So Ramita manages customers across retail, corporates, and governments. Remita provides solutions for individual payments, so meaning that for things like funds transfer, for things like um, merchant collections, and for things like revenue collection for for governments. That's primarily what Remita does. And for for me, I manage the consumer payment segment of Remita business. Super interesting. So how does the company work with corporates? What does it mean to work with companies? And then, you know, what's the consumer segment? What does that mean? For corporates, companies are running businesses in Nigeria and Africa as an extension. We provide gateways, a channel or a a digital channel for them to receive money digitally. All right. So, yeah, so that's, that's basically it. So corporates that have needs to to integrate or to include um, digital payments as part of your business offerings. Remita provides rules for that. Then for individuals that want wanting to make funds transfer to their friends and family, they could do that using the payment applications and the payment systems that we provide. In terms of payment volume, Remita actually does a high volume of payments in Nigeria. In terms of values, so we've processed in 2023 alone, we processed about $42 billion in terms of payment value, and that has grown 20% over the previous year. Do you know how many individuals roughly that would be? For consumers, consumer payments, we have in excess of 2 million active customers on across our payment channels. How do people pay in the first place? Like, what is a digital payment in your system? How do you think about that? Okay, so so digital payments, usually non-cash interfaces, where consumers are able to push value from one from one entity to another, right? So they are purely, they're mostly non non-cash, and they're accessible to individuals. So when you say non-cash, you mean things. Things around um, funds transfer. Um, if I want to send money to, for instance, my parents, right, and I don't have the cash to do that, but I have funds sitting in a bank account, 
this will payment will enable me to move that fund from my bank account to another bank account in Nigeria or in anywhere in Africa, right? So that's that's basically what digital payment is about. It's usually non-cash channels, non-cash channels to move money from point A to point B. So you've mentioned bank transfers, so fund transfers from a bank to another bank. What about like digital payments in commerce? Like when people go shopping, for example, how do they pay? Do they use cash? Is there digital payments? Or if people are online and they use e-commerce, what do they use to pay for that? Yeah, so for for e-commerce or for online transactions, the most prevalent payment options are usually card and um, maybe bank transfer. In Nigeria, bank bank transfer is quite prevalent, given that not a lot of people have access to card. To get a card in Nigeria, you need to pay some money. And also, in addition to that, card is a more expensive channel. You need to pay maintenance fees and all of that. Right? So a cheaper alternative is a simple transfer from a, from a mobile bank or a mobile wallet. Right? And what you have now is that you have infrastructure providers such as Remita, that is able to infuse infuse merchant collection. What we call merchant collections are being able to integrate payments to POS systems or the commerce systems that merchants are currently using, right? Such that if I'm able to if I'm able to make payments to those chan- through those channels, the merchant is able to reconcile their transactions and they're able to get receipts from the POS system for payment terminal systems, right? So yeah, so yeah, so for e-commerce in, in Nigeria, physical commerce in Nigeria, the prevalent, prevalent channels are card and, and funds transfer. I'd love to learn a little bit about the banking system because it sounds like you are integrating transfers between the bank into a digital wallet. What is banking like? Are there a lot of banks? Is there concentration? Are some of the banks very big? And then you mentioned that it's difficult to get a card. Can you talk about, for an average person, like what does their banking situations look like? Do they have credit? Do they have just a deposit account? What does that look like? For bank accounts, not, not actually, not a lot of Nigerians have bank accounts. We still have about 40% of bankable adults in Nigeria without any access to any funding option, including bank accounts or wallets. So that's a huge number when you consider the population of Nigeria. In addition to that, banks banks have been around for a long, way, way long time in Nigeria. The first we actually had the first bank in Nigeria in eighteen ninety two, right? Yeah. So and and after that, around nineteen sixty, we had if we had we had a, we had our first around nineteen fifty nine, we had central bank established. So banking in Nigeria is 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 really old, right? And we have in terms of the categorization of banks, we have the big bigger banks, so we call them the tier one banks, them that deposit money banks. Right, they have capitalization in excess of, excess of two hundred million dollars and above. Right, so they are they are really really big. We get in terms of penetration, at least in, at least in every state in Nigeria, you have to you see a big bank. At least in every local government in Nigeria, there are big banks. Right, so there is actually deep penetration in terms of banking services. But in terms of bankable adults, there are a lot of there are a lot there's, there are a lot a lot of Nigerians that have access to banking services. And people who don't have access to banking services, what do they do? Yeah, so people who don't have access to banking services make use of alternative banking channels, right? So we also have, aside from the big deposit money banks, we also have uh, mobile money operators coming into play to service the underserved areas where banks are able to, to penetrate, 
right? So you have people opening up mobile wallets. That is very easy to open within five minutes. Yeah, you have a wallet account. So for for those kind of so those sort of people, and usually as well for them, they also are not they are, they don't have access to smartphones, right? So they make use of um, offline, I guess, as a channels, right? So for them, things like mobile wallets is able to cater to their need. You get so that's where they are more comfortable banking with yeah with with mobile wallets. Yet. Yeah. So let's just expand on what a mobile wallet is and smartphone access because I think that's another really key question. Can you talk about just on average, how many people, what percent of people have smartphone access? And because you've talked about being able to do funds transfers in a digital wallet that Ramita builds, is that a smartphone app? And then what percent of the population is able to do something like that? And then if you don't go in that direction, what is a mobile wallet? How does that work? For for smartphone access, just, just about 40% of Nigerians have access to smartphones, so the other 60% without access, right? So for people without access to smartphones, on feature phones, what these mobile wallets have, mobile wallet providers have been able to do is to give access to a USSD banking option, right? Meaning that even without access to smartphone, you can dial it USSD strange and you have access to open an account and make transfers from your accounts on USSD. So yeah, you have access to what is USSD? Yeah, so USSD is unstructured. Um, USSD is it's a it's a service that is available on available on the GSM network, right? Is unstructured. Yeah, available on the GSM network, and it allows for services to be built on it without the use without needing internet, right? So the, the services are running on the GSM network itself, and not necessarily requiring you to download an app or to do anything additional. Right, so banks have built services on the GSM network being provided by enablers such as Telcos, so for people to access services on. Millions and millions of people are relying on that, right? Like the underbank side of the equation, and then for people who have access to smartphones, and then those that might have access to credit cards, then that would all be packaged inside of a mobile wallet. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah. So those those form part of the core value propositions of of a mobile wallet. So on on bank on the banks are able to use this infrastructure for daily payment needs, right? So you don't really need to, yeah, you don't need to have a have a bank account, and you don't really need to have a smartphone to be able to enjoy financial services. Yes. If I'm like shopping and I want to buy something, what does the merchant have to interact with? The feature phone, like how do they do it? And then to interact with the smartphone, how do they do it? Okay, so for for that, there are collection, there are collection propositions that's been built on top of the USSD. So if you go to a merchant's location, for instance, if you go to a local store here in Nigeria, you usually see the merchants having a merchant code on the USSD service, right? So what you just need to do, if you go to a particular merchant, is to dial a USD strange, then include the merchant code, right? And you make transfer. So doing that, the 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 wallet will debit your account and credit the merchant. And this is happening on smartphones for both the payer and the merchant as well. Are QR codes used at all? Yeah, yes, QR codes are used, but it would require smartphones. I'm speaking to the bare 
You're talking about the feature phones, got it. So the merchant has a merchant code and you can use that basically through text as kind of an account number. And is that literally an account number at a financial institution or is it like an e-money account at the phone provider? It's, it's an account so that so it's, an, it's an account at a financial institution, but it's not a traditional bank. So for for Nigeria is a little bit different. So it's not it's not pure it's not pure e money. It's not take led, right? It's it's, it's financial institution led, but the trans financial institution is not a pure play bank. Call them here mobile money operators, right? They have a finance, they have license to operate and to hold funds, but they are not they are not um, traditional banks. They are not deposit money banks, right? Yeah, so that's that's where the account is held. What's the relationship between the government and the regulation and the licenses issued by the government and then the banks and the mobile money providers? Is it hard to get a license? What do you see from your position as a software company? Is there any tension between the banks and the mobile money operators? Can you talk about just the role of regulation? For the regulators in Nigeria, we have a, a very cordial relationship with them, meaning that it's, it's quite the ease of doing business in Nigeria is quite very smooth. We have for for there's there's been a lot of there's been a lot of um, improvement in terms of the time it takes for licenses to be processed. Before now, the licenses were booked up. So as a startup, for instance, before you could get a license, you need to have a, you need to you need to you need to have a lot of funds for one. And there's also a lot of requirements for you to meet. But yeah, but in 2020, the CBN broke down the license categorization. So the, it's not being tiered, right? So for startups, there is a tier of the license that you could actually, you could easily afford. So that makes getting licenses to operate easier. And I imagine that they wanted to have more innovation and more startups, which kind of, this is a random question, but it touches on something you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, how does Nigeria relate to the financial infrastructure of the rest of the continent? You know, is it that there is so much kind of fintech innovation in Nigeria and then it spreads out? Or does each geography has its own kind of patchwork? I've seen companies that are focused on the entire African continent and trying to create payments rails across everything. Is that right? Is it very local in terms of you get a license in Nigeria and it's for the Nigerian economy or is it more global or sort of like when you're building a business, are you building it for across Africa? No, it's, it's, it's mostly localized. So uh, the CBN licenses are just, just allows you to operate locally. In terms of the startup ecosystem in Nigeria, it has, it has actually grown quite, quite a much. Yeah, so because of the ease and the, the ease that the regulators are bringing into the market, right? So for 2022 alone, startup investments in, in Nigeria, in fintech was over $1.2 billion, right? So that shows you the potential. If Nigeria was so difficult, you wouldn't be getting this volume of investments and all of that. But in terms of the licensing that the regulators are able to issue it's just for local operations and um, we are not able to extend it beyond africa but we've seen startups that that were localized in nigeria but expand into other continents because they if we are able to build in nigeria because of the complexity of our payment systems if we're able to or the robustness of our payment system if we're able to build in nigeria it's easier for you to extend to rest of africa 
local licensing law. Yeah, it's purely localized. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's one of the largest economies, of course. So let's talk about the economy in particular. And I think this will take us towards demonetization and the e-currency. But first, can you paint a picture of the economic environment, economic growth? I know from the the macroeconomic story is around inflation and things of that nature. It's a global story, but you know, in particular, there's inflation in the currency. What is the economic environment been like in the recent years and you know what effect has that had on people okay so i think you've already started mentioning so for for nigeria which is the largest economy in africa we have we have about we have we have over 462 billion dollars in terms of gdp so it's, it's a really big economy recently of course due to the effects of covid and and, and the and the residual effects of of that so had a lot of inflation, a lot of inflation. But that that being the case, Nigeria economy has consistently grown at least two percent from 2020. So that that shows the promise that Nigeria holds. You get and the different sectors. Tech, for instance, is growing massively, right? Finance as, as well is is growing. So the different sectors are are really growing, and it shows a lot of opportunities for people to come in and invest in Nigeria. Yet. Absolutely. And I think, you know, all across the world, there's been kind of difficult financial situations coming out of COVID. You know, but one of the piece of news, at least that I've covered before is demonetization out of cash and banknotes and a move towards a digital currency. Why is there a move from cash to digital and how is that connected to the economy? The reason for for the movement, for demonetization, for or, or really digitization of payments for countries like us, it's that it for, for us, for instance, for CPN, it's getting very expensive to print cash. We spend, we spend millions of dollars printing cash. That's money that could have gone into other things, right? So if we are, if we are demonetizing or, or digitizing payments, the more we digitize the the less it will cost to run the economy. That's one. Then the other, the other reason is security as well. That cash is not, it's not very traceable, right? So if you have a lot of, if you have your economy based on a lot of cash, there could be several things that be happening security-wise that you, this, the central bank, for instance, won't be able to track. And also for, in terms of, in term, and also for for economic growth. For instance, right, if in terms of cross-border transactions and in terms of cross-border relationship, right, if the economy is, is heavily cash-based, it will make cross-border trade very difficult. We need to be able, you need to be easily, you need to be able to easily, traders in Nigeria need to be able to easily move money for from Nigeria to the rest of the world for businesses, which would eventually should eventually grow the economy, right. So in terms of that, there is a need to properly digitize the system so it's easier to move money around and also and also in terms of building an efficient payment system if the economy is so cash based you find out that there won't be so much efficiency in terms of cash or money distribution so there's a need to digitize or to demonetize the system and make it more digital just looking at a few numbers, I think inflation has been somewhere between 10 and 20 percent over the last five years which is not 
that different from a lot of the rest of the world. But when you are trying to control the economic levers of a country and be more nimble in the control of the money supply, doing that on a paper-based mint is, is much more difficult. And so is demonetization, was it like taking notes out of circulation or was it just that the new cash would be issued digitally? No, it's, it's, it was more about mopping up because we had a lot of we had a lot of cash outside of the banking system, right? So it was more about one is even taking bringing those cash back, right? And it's not it's not really it's not really about issuing a new currency. Currencies could be issued without demonetizing more or less, right? So it's just about mopping up cash and making sure CBN have CBN is able to properly plan and it's able to yeah it's able to properly account for for monies within the system. That would help in macroeconomic planning. So that's the pure, that's the real reason for the demonetization here. Okay, so let's switch to, I'm going to say CBDC, but correct me in terms of the actual term that people use. Is it digital currency or the Inera or is it a CBDC? How should we think about it? It's really Inera for us here, but of course we know that the technology powering or the, the general term for things like for of currencies like INR is CBDC. So CBDCs are central bank digital currencies and they are purely tokens that are issued by central bank. At, it just represents the country's, the country's um, national currency. For instance, for us, INR represents the normal Naira. It's just the normal Naira that, that has been digitized, mined by CBN. Yeah, yeah. So, so for us, it's INR, but INR is, is, is a part of this CBDC family. How much adoption has there been? Do you know how many wallets are there? Like, is there a transaction? Like, how popular has it become? Yeah, so in terms of wallets, in terms of adoption, I know in the first month that Inera was launched. So Inera, Inera, Inera actually has, is a retail CBDC. So there's, a, there's an accompanying wallet app called Speed Wallet, right? So when it was, when it was launched, when the Speed Wallet app was launched, we had over 200,000 downloads on the app store. Right, but across from then to now, also just put it in mind the other thing that CBN is doing, we've had almost like five million users of the Inara platform or the Inara of Inara itself, right? So that that has shown tremendous growth from when it was started in in March of 2023. To in, when it was when it was started in June of 2022 to now, it has shown tremendous growth. Yes. Yeah, and I've seen numbers like 13 million wallets and something like 50 million in volume, average transaction volume per person around $4 USD, but a lot of people doing transactions. Can you talk about like how somebody would get access to Inera? Like how do they download the wallet, right? Like do they need to have a smartphone? If they only have a feature phone, how do they interact with it? Like what's the user experience? For eNera, there are different access points. So there's it of course there's a smartphone app. Let's talk about the retail CBD system. So there's a smartphone app called the Speed Wallet that users can download and then access on board create an on board on board their eNera there and start transacting. Aside from that as well, it's available on feature phones that as a, as a USSD service, meaning that users just dial a USSD string and they are able to, to activate an inner account and also spend from it. Then aside from it as well, what CBN has done is also to appoint agents 
that would go around, especially in, especially in in low low banking, low financial service penetration areas, where agents cannot can reach out to at these locations, are able to open accounts for for users that that, that don't have access to or can't actually reach a, a bank branch or don't have access to a smartphone, right? So these are the the several channels or the several several adoption the several channels where Inera can be onboarded or activated. So just like the payment experience that you've described before, which exists in different channels, this is designed to be able to used by people who have kind of very different experiences. How is Ramita engaged in this? Are you integrating with a currency? Are you helping the government build it? Can you talk a little bit about your role? So Ramita has always been a partner to to the federal government of Nigeria in terms of creating real your real use cases for digital payments in, in Nigeria and in Africa as, a, as an extension. For eNara, we've been involved from the get-go. In terms of, I spoke of, I spoke of adoption, in terms of adoption, Remita has channels today that you can use to activate and create an eNara wallet, right? So on our USSD channel, for, on, for users on feature phones, on web applications, on our mobile applications, and also through our agent networks, um, persons are able to activate, create, and also use their inera wallets on on it, right? And Remita is working extensively with the federal government of Nigeria to ensure that we're able to we're able to extend the use case for digital currencies to everyone, including the bank and the unbanked. Yeah. So how does that work? Were you involved in some of the ideation and figuring out how to design and package the offer? And you know, is it that the government provides APIs and then you integrate that into your app? Like, how does it work? Being a um, strategic partner, so right from my ideation to to actual implementation to building the APIs and also to even to for and also for advocacy as well, we've been we've been involved all the way. Aside from the strategic partnership, we also have, we also actually have, you are the first fintech to actually implement the CBDC on on, an, on a payment infrastructure, meaning that we're the first fintech to be able to push transactions through through Inera, meaning that we're able to integrate Inera to 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 the to bills payments, we're able to integrate Inera to P two P transfers. And, and all of that, right? So in terms of advocacy, in terms of strategic partnership ideation, and in terms of actual implementation and making the APIs available to the developer community, we worked extensively with CBN to achieve all of this. That's really fascinating and amazing. And just for our listeners, CBN is the Central Bank of Nigeria. I, again, have so many questions. One thing I just wanted to clarify, you had mentioned a third channel of distribution, so the agents. What does that mean? How do agents distribute you know, financial products and access? So agents have kiosks or locations where individuals or consumers can walk up to, to perform financial transactions. So it's like a financial hub. So when you get the... If you want to open an account, you give them your details, they create an account for you, and the account number is automatically sent to your phone number. If you get that, you want to make a you want to make a transaction. For instance, you want to deposit into your account, you give them the cash, they're able to transfer the value to your bank account or to your wallet account or to your inner account as the case may be. So agents are most mostly financial hubs that work in affiliation with banks 
or working from an affiliation with mobile money providers or an affiliation with Remita, for instance, for inner provisioning. They could potentially carry multiple brands, right? So they might work with Remita or like another competitor and they decide who to work with. They're independent. They are purely independent. In terms of regulation, they are actually called the super agents, right? So they are independent to work with any financial service providers that they choose to. That makes sense. Another angle or story that I've read about is that some of the social services that the government provides, you know, in order to receive them, you receive those social services in the digital currency, right? So whether it's, and again, I don't know, but retirement or something like that, pensions, is that true? Like, how has the government used the CBDC to provide social services? So I think I think I'm speaking to a particular use case, which is the which is the which is the agro wallet that the CBN has in terms of piloting the inner and trying to and also in terms of driving the real value for inner we have CBN has built particular use cases. So that's not it's not really it's not it's not a compulsion, right? It's actually driving right riding on the value. For instance, for the farmers, for instance, right? With an inner wallet, it's easier for you to build identification. Before now, the farmers would have been asked to go to an agent to collect cash and all of that. So you are able to track the farmer in itself and also what they are doing with the money. But if the, when, but when the money has been converted, when the cash has been converted to ENR, for instance, CBN is able to see real time the uses that the farmer has or what the farmer is doing with the money. So it's, it's more difficult. It brings transparency to the system and it also, it also brings trust to the system. So the particular use case that is um, currently active is the agro in wallet engagement, right? Where CBN has disbursed a total of um, $260 million funds to farmers, to millions of farmers um, across northern Nigeria. That's really interesting. So the payments to farmers can then be tracked for, you know, how that money is spent and the accountability there. And how does that tracking work? Like, is it that the merchant that receives Inera is in a database somewhere so that the transaction is associated with a particular merchant? Like, maybe part of the question is also, like, what's the technical infrastructure of the CBDC? I assume it's not a blockchain, it's more like a cloud-based database, or how does it work? What's underneath there, and how do you attach data to it? Okay, so, so CBDCs can... CBDCs mustn't necessarily be blockchain based, and but for inner it's, it's purely blockchain. It's built on DLT. So it is built on DLT. Yes, it's built on DLT, and yeah. So for for tracking, each every account has what we call KYC, right? So you're able to upload your address, you're able to upload your your pictures, and there are systems that verify this real time, right? So for every each inner user, it's, it's uniquely identified. And also transactions within the ecosystem. Yeah, transactions within that ecosystem has data points that you can collect to make informed economic decisions. Do you happen to know which DLT it's built on? What ledger? What technology? No, but according to communications by CBN, we know Inara it's a, it's a blockchain infrastructure and it's built on DLT. Yes. And it's just the central bank that runs that blockchain, right? Like other financial institutions are not validators on that blockchain. It's just the, the government? Yes, it's a, it's a purely private blockchain. And yes, it's just, the, it's just for the government. 
Cool. Okay. All right. So one question that comes up for me is also the relationship to the banks. You know, so there's two types of CBDCs that people talk about. One is a direct retail CBDC so that the central bank issues the currency and then the consumer, the user, just holds the currency and that's directly on-chain relationship with the central bank. You know, And everyone is attached to that chain, whether it's a merchant or a consumer, but that's run by the central bank. And then alternately, there's another model, which is the wholesale model where you still go through the banking system, where the central bank is kind of still delegating to regular banks and the banks are the ones that are running the blockchain and then the banks are receiving the currencies and the banks are the intermediaries that sit in between. The central bank is still really just transacting with the financial institutions only. From your description, it sounds like this is a retail, a direct retail CBDC. So how do the banks feel about it? Like, what is their relationship to Inera? Do they feel the government is disintermediating them? Are they excited about this? Are they participants? Like, what's their relationship here? There are benefits for everyone in terms of... Just like you said, the retail CBDC proposition. So, so there are benefits for everyone. The banks themselves are able to. The banks themselves are able to get real data. So, one of the things, one of the key objectives for Inera as a digital currency is for financial inclusion, right? So, the banks are able to build on Inera rails to be able to reach, get access to, to populations that ideally they wouldn't. They wouldn't have gotten access to right, so that's that's a that's a very core cool, that's a very key benefit for them. Could you have an Inera account at a bank? Yes, this the way it's run. The way the way we run the Inera, the CBDC for for Nigeria is that uh, the applicant must be must be attached to a bank, right? So at every point in time, a bank is always sponsoring the persons joining the the network, right? So. CBN is able to give banks expansive access to offerings and to areas that they ideally using their native banking infrastructure might have been able to reach. So that's a that's a benefit for them, yeah. So if you're using Speed Wallet, for example, like is there a place in Speed Wallet where you would attach your bank somehow? Yes, yes, yes. So are they responsible for KYC then and for identity? Yes, they are. Gotcha. Well, I've learned a ton and I'd love to get your view on what you think the future looks like. You know, it's already one of the largest, if not the largest CBDC projects in the world with real adoption. And it's fascinating to hear you talk about the different channels for it because there's the feature phone channel, the smartphone channel, there's the bank involvement, there are the agents who have kiosks who can distribute it. There's over 10 million wallets with the CBDC in it. But at the same time, there's over 200 million people in Nigeria. So it's still you know, something like 5% of the population penetration. What do you see as the future of Inera? Do you think everyone is going to use it and it's going to be fully adopted across the market? Like, what does the future look like in your view? Yeah, I think the, the future looks very great. So either is a zero-cost channel, meaning that cost is really key in terms of adoption for payments um, services or, or payment initiatives in Nigeria. Inara is a zero-cost channel. Um, a transaction between Inara wallets are free. 
So that would drive that would drive a lot of adoption for everyday Nigerians that would need that need access to efficient and very affordable payment options, right? Then also the unique initiatives that CBN has lined up for INA, including cross-border payments, where CBN, CBN is able to integrate with other CBDCs, which are which are really coming up. It's one of the CBDCs are which are really coming up. Over 20, 30 con- con- countries are interested in developing CBDCs. So I actually even started developing CBDCs, right? So CBN is able to integrate with these other CBDC players on the same DLT network and able to interchange or interoperate together and able to move funds around. So cross-border payment is one of the propositions that will drive adoption for inner in terms of one of the key areas where where Nigerians are really interested in their diaspora payments, right? To have thousands of Nigerians, hundreds of thousands of Nigerians living abroad, and annually they send over twenty billion dollars to Nigeria. So imagine all of those dollars are, ha- are happening, are happening. Uh, imagine all of those, all of these monies are happening without any fee on the inner network and their instance, right? So imagine what, how much adoption that would get for people not currently on the network, right? Then aside from that as well, there are things around offline payments. So one of the key problems with digital payments in Nigeria today is that we are not able to penetrate beyond persons that have smartphones, for instance, or even, yeah, smartphones, right? So Inair is giving us flexibility to even to even innovate around offline payments, right? So meaning that we can have a token-based CBDC that can be, used, that can be designed to be used in very remote places where without even access to a GSM network and things like that, right? So that that would that's one of the things that would actually help to drive the adoption of ENR. Then of course you mentioned that we mentioned you mentioned the wholesale CBDCs where banks are themselves that they want to start driving the use cases for ENR. So that's one of the areas that I know CBN would also want to explore. And that's one of the areas that we're also working with CBN to expand to ensure to have build ENR to build ENR into the settlement system, right? So currently now, Nigeria is actually one of the few countries and Nigeria is actually one of the first countries in the world to implement real-time settlements, right? And that settlement is built on what we call Nigerian interbank payment system. Right, so there are a lot of um, which is which is mostly built on collaterals, right, between the banks. So if you're able to replace the collaterals with inner, then using the wholesale CBDC structure, and settlement is happening real time on the chain, based on the smart contracts, right, it will go a long way in even driving adoption through the banks to the rest of the populace, right, and also, yeah. So so I think. Yeah, I think the future is really bright for inner Also for social disbursement as well. A lot of Nigerians are there are a lot of social programs that Nigerians that Nigerians currently running. I just mentioned the agro wallet, agro wallet one day. We also have the trader money thing where funds are disposed to traders, right? Also in terms of this um, subsidy subsidy payments that is gonna start happening soon. If all of this can happen on inner you see millions of Nigerians coming into the network, which will drive transaction and also drive adoption. Because if you're on the network and your if you're on the network and your colleague, your your friend, your is is not on the network, right? The transactions to that person that is on the traditional banking network will be will be, cheap, will be, will be more expensive. So it will make sense for you to introduce the wallet to the person so that transactions between the two parties can be free. Do you get so yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I see, I see huge potential for CBD for inner in Nigeria, and yeah, and being the being the it's actually been the largest CBDC project in the world. I see it expanding even more. 
fantastic explanation and really exciting to learn about it. Thank you for sharing all that as well as the context before. Alyssa, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. If we want our audience to learn more about Remita, where should they go? Is there a website they should check out? Yes, yes, yes. So for Remita, you can get Remita on www.remita.net. Um, also across our social channels at Remita.net, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Remita.net. So Remita, Remita, is, Remita is building infrastructures for building payment trails and infrastructures for, for builders such as your audience to be able to log into the Nigerian payment system. So things around instant payment, for instance, you're able to disburse money to recipients in Nigeria, things around identity and, and, and credit checks. Remita is able to do that. Then also payment gateways and all of that here. Thank you. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Hi, everyone. That's it for this week's episode of the Fintech Blueprint. For more technical deep dives into all things fintech and decentralized finance, check out fintechblueprint.com and grab a free subscription to the newsletter. This is Lex, and I'll see you next time.